Welcome to the Law of Startups podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us. Today, we are lucky to have in the studio with us Rachel Azaroff. Rachel is a, uh, a, a Seattle uh, marketing uh, guru, I guess you'd say, or maybe perhaps, I don't know, maybe the word guru is you take exception to, Rachel, I don't know, and a Techstars mentor in Seattle and very interesting person. We're going to talk about marketing. Thanks you, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Mike and Joe, for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here this morning. Absolutely. So... Tell us, Rachel, kind of like what what you do and how you think about marketing and 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 sort of which companies you focus on and and, uh, and tell us about the TechStars mentor experience. That's got to be fun. Okay, great. Yeah. So, hi everyone. My name is Rachel Azaroff. I'm the founder and president of Pitch, which is a marketing firm that helps startups with their messaging, go-to-market, and pitching for both investment and customer acquisition. So at Pitch, we mainly work with you know, very early companies, usually five people or fewer. Um, you know, they have a product or service in the market, and they're ready to scale, and they need some external marketing help to, uh, to grow their business. Um, and a lot of the work we do is around um, their messaging, you know, telling their story in a way that's meaningful for the audience at hand, whether that's investors, whether that's customers, you know, and um, obviously this morning we'll be talking a lot about marketing, um, but I, I'm at, at the end of the day with, with my clients and the companies I work with, I really believe in, um, you know, just simplifying things, right? There's a lot of noise out there with marketing. There's a lot of tools, products, services, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's really about expressing your company in a clear, concise, and compelling way that resonates with you know, the people you want to be your customers, the investors that you're targeting to raise capital, to grow your business, and you know, mapping your marketing activities to your strategic goals as a business. Instead of, I think, um, some people get a little bit of shiny object um, attitude of hearing about a new tool or a new thing or a new trend and, and wanting to do that and maybe losing sight a little bit of um, you know what their strategic goals are and, and how to get Rachel, there. Rachel, what's what's the difference between so so? There's marketing. I hear people that do PR. You've got advertising. Like so, how do all those things relate to each other? And and like so, what w- like what types of activities does marketing encompass? Is it is it creating advertisements that then get get placed, or or is it more about messaging and like um, you know, kind of figuring out what the brand identity is? Or what do you what do you typically do? What what falls within that? that umbrella of, of marketing versus something else? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the definitions can be a little bit fluid depending on um, the environment and different companies and, and how they do things. Um, but with, with marketing, it's, um, and especially with what we focus on at Pitch, it's around the messaging, the branding. It's kind of, you know, how you show up as a business, right? How do you talk about the business? What's the look and feel of the business? How do you you know, articulate the business position, position your company. Um, and that's, um, you know, what, what I focus on at Pitch, but I'd say within like broader marketing, you know, it's what channel, you know, who are you trying to get in front of and what channels are you utilizing to reach those people, whether that's, you know, email, social media. Um, when you asked about PR, so PR is often more oriented around the press, you know, and getting mentions and different media platforms and now, um, kind of a more emerging marketing arm is influencers, which are mainly through social media, and that's you know typically more popular uh, with consumer products. So it's, it's also, I guess, to that point, nuance between things that tend to work well for consumer products 
versus things that work with more, you know, B2B enterprise type products. Yeah. So like the influencers is an interesting thing. Like influencers are, are, when people work with trying to, to court influencers, is it partly, you know, sending them product or, or sending them codes or ways to get them like familiarized with the product? Or is it really more about like, um, you know, finding out what they charge to, to, to represent your product. Is it, are, are, I imagine there's all different types of influencers and with different models, but like are, are influencers often just paid to, to, to promote products or, or is it more subtle than that? Yeah, I think, well, um, with the influencer movement and it's, it's not my core area, but I have some familiarity uh, you know, it's it's gotten pretty sophisticated. I, there's agencies out there that, that represent influencers, and it seems like there's kind of almost different categories of influencers, and some are more, um, you know, like prominent. And a lot of the categorization is around the number of followers. Um, and I recently learned from a friend and colleague that apparently 10,000 followers is kind of this tipping point of when you can classify yourself as a social media influencer and then look to get paid opportunities to <laughs> promote products and services and something else that um, I've been following a bit recently which is interesting and I'm sure as lawyers you would both have opinions of um, how these uh, influencer posts are, are captured to convey to the kind of end, end users of this information that it is a sponsored ad since it is uh, this yeah. category and I actually um, recently heard about something of two kind of social media influencers in the something with a gaming space and they they promoted a product and acted like it was something they were kind of neutrally promoting but it was actually something they had ownership in and they didn't disclose that so it seems like kind of in this in this, these new trends there's some interesting uh I guess both challenges and opportunities emerging to kind of yeah yeah I would guess that you know, not all influencers are particularly sophisticated, right? Like some people just kind of um, are new, new, newfound influence, and uh, they might not know the the rules about how to use that influence. I imagine it's pretty common that people overstep those bounds. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe it's and it's probably on the on the uh, shoulders of the people who are paying influencers to to promote products to make sure that they know the rules so that you don't get looped into some kind of scandal. <clears throat> yeah, the FTC has a bunch of guidelines on this for uh, uh, actually they wrote a, a, a guide for bloggers actually and uh, they describe the various different um, it's written in like a question and answer format but like an example would be if I'm going to write a blog post about some dog food uh, that my dog really likes and I don't just don't disclose them being paid to write that blog post the FTC that that's a sort of a no-no um, but I'm not sure if there's been any really good um, um, you know, shorthands developed to disclose or tag in a social media post, you know, um, I mean, because social media posts are fairly short usually. And so how do you make that disclosure in like a very short, like Twitter post uh, or something like that? Um, and obviously in a blog post, you could put at the bottom of the blog post, well, I was paid to write this article about this dog food. Um, but in, if you're just going to do a tweet or something or, um, Maybe you're going to do a video post or something on YouTube. It's, I think I think people do sort of. Um, I mean, it's a little unclear. Like, does every post need one of these disclaimers, or is it enough if you have, um, you know, m maybe on your LinkedIn or, or your Twitter bio or something some some disclosure that, you know, 
messages about products may be sponsored or something. It's a little unclear like what the right level of disclosure is in different circumstances. Um, so it's kind of a strange area because if you think about marketing, uh, I mean, you've got basketball players uh, and athletes, you know, wearing, you know, sponsored clothing, right? But they don't, they don't have to make a divulgence that, well, not, I mean, if you're wearing Nikes uh, and you're an NBA player, I mean, it's pretty obvious like, oh, well, you must be a, you're probably a, a Nike sponsored athlete, but nowhere in the, on the shoe or, you know, in that athlete's, you know, social media profile is there a divulgence like, oh, I'm sponsored by Nike. I don't think. It's obvious. It's like, uh, well, of course, I mean, they must be. But with, with social media, it's a little harder, right? With influence, it's a little harder because it's not a Nike swoosh there. They're bearing on their uh, on their T-shirt or something. It's it's something else. It's I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit of a quandary. I think some of the some of the rules are a little a little uh, just maybe out of sync with reality. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So so yeah, influencers. So t so tell us about this TechStars experience you're having right now. You're a mentor at the, in the current batch of TechStars companies in Seattle. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I'm currently. Um, volunteering as a Techstars mentor with this current class, which is um, with the Amazon Alexa. Yeah. So it's kind of this, um, it's been really fun and interesting to, you know, learn more about Alexa, to see a lot of emerging voice technologies, uh, and to, to get to know this group of people. And this, um, I guess there's different formats with Techstars, but in, in this format with the um, Amazon Alexa Accelerator, they pulled from a global pool of uh, companies. So they got companies from all over the world. Is it the typical Techstars uh, size class, like 10 or 12 it's, companies? Yeah, 10 companies. 10 companies. Yeah. And they're all focused on building something for Alexa. Yeah, either for Alexa or um, voice or AR, so that it could be a part of that platform. Gotcha. Mike, you, you've not built anything for the Alexa yet, I take it. No, no, nothing um, nothing that's shipped. I played around with it, some of the Alexa APIs um, to see if I could get it to play audio and, and use it for some of the meditation apps that I've that I've worked on, but I haven't um, shipped anything on Alexa. I'm still trying to figure out how to make the business model work. Right, right. Yeah, that's a curious thing because, Mike, you, you mentioned earlier that the, uh, so the Alexa App Store, um, so you could build an app on that, but there's no revenue associated with that. There's no possibility of charging anyone for that. I don't... So it's mostly just a... Yeah, I think you can set it up. They don't have, as far as I know, like uh, up until uh, recently, they, they, I don't think they have any mechanism to buy apps or, or skills for the Alexa app. You kind of go into the Alexa app on your phone and you, you have to browse sort of what's available. And, and it's all, I think, relatively free, except um, I, I think you can set up a system where maybe you need a login. So like it would be something where the, the, the Alexa skill is free, but maybe somehow you have to log in through the app you know, and, and monetize it some other way. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure that, that monetizing Alexa skills is the way to go. I just haven't really given it a lot of thought. It, it's, it's sort of, uh, haven't figured out how the skill fits into the business as a whole, whether it's just a, a publicity, uh, a publicity tool or, or a way to increase exposure or whether it's something that's a, uh, a premium, a premium thing for people that subscribe. I'm still figuring that out. I'm curious to know, I don't know if the, how far along the, the Techstars team teams are um, if they're talking about what they're working on and if it's public yet um, but I, I don't know what kind of what kind of skills do you see folks working on whether in tech stars or outside of tech stars Rachel yeah well the the Amazon skill I'm, the, I'm sorry Alexa skills are interesting and it's from my understanding just growing exponentially um, and 
some of the teams, yeah, the, so the Techstars Demo Day is coming up. I believe it's, it's mid-October, so coming up pretty soon. Um, yeah, and the teams are public if people want to go and, and see who they are. It's on the, on the website. But yeah, it's, it was interesting to see the teams, and it was a mix of, you know, hardware and software. So one of the teams is a um, connected ball, so kind of it looks like a small soccer ball, and it's kind of gamifying. Um, you know, you can play games with a ball, and then there's an associated app, um, so you can kind of gamify on a different level. Um, you know, instead of just throwing the ball, kicking the ball, you're getting more more feedback. Um, there's also a, a smartphone for kids that um, is a wearable, so it looks kind of like a watch, but you can make calls, but it's all voice. There's no touch screen. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to think of the other teams. One um, is around like making easier um, conference calls, and I'm okay. sure you, like a lot of us have been in those moments of you're on this multifaceted conference call and wanting to share things on the screen, and then, um, and I've seen this so much working at, at tech companies, which seems a bit ironic, <laughs> that there's always some technical difficulty yeah, um, with yeah. the call and sharing information and such, so that company is working to kind of make that a, a smoother process. So right. it's, it's an interesting, um, you know, mix of companies and uh, products and services. Um, yeah, and it's definitely fun to, you know, meet entrepreneurs from around the world, you know, doing interesting things and working on this, uh, growing medium. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I forgot where I saw it. It might have, I don't think it was a Silicon Valley episode, but it was a spoof of, of it was a spoof of a conference call uh, at like a tech company. And, and then there was just this constant, you know, people coming on, people coming off. Oh, we're not sure if somebody dropped. I mean, it was just sort of this comedy of errors of a, of a conference call. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's funny because like you'd think that, I mean, we've been doing conference calls now for, I don't know how many years, but still the process can be kind of choppy sometimes kind of a, kind of a little bit of annoying um so yeah it's interesting so the um is the amazon alexa team deeply involved in what's going on with this with this accelerator are they coming around all the time and yeah there are a lot of um amazon folks from alexa from launchpad from aws kind of all the different uh facets of Amazon that are working with these technologies as well as um, working with kind of the startup ecosystem, whether it's, you know, AWS for providing the software to startups or Launchpad, um, which is a program on Amazon for kind of emerging product companies to sell their products on Amazon and they get some support from Amazon to um, kind of get on the platform and, and grow their business. Yeah, that's like Amazon's Kickstarter type program, right? The Launchpad, is that kind of their response to Kickstarter or Indiegogo? Um, my understanding of it and I is that it's more, I don't know if it's so much the crowd crowdfunding as just more of um, kind of showcasing new products and, okay. and then kind of supporting those companies um, through, I think, technology and services to yeah. help them. So Mike, you're, you're an Apple guy, I think it's safe to say. I mean, what do you, didn't Apple come out with sort of an Alexa type product recently or it's going to come out soon with one? Uh, well, you know, they've got, so Siri is sort of like the original Alexa, but not, you know, always on and not in your house. And then Amazon seems like they got the jump start and they started working on in-house stuff. Um, Apple has a new speaker that they're working on. That's like a, a multi-room audio thing that's supposed to be pretty cool. And I'm pretty sure it's got the, the AI assistant built into it. So they're, they're kind of late to the game. I don't know. I, I I'm not, it's hard to say like how these AI assistants uh, rank against each other because 
Um, I, I don't love using Siri on the Apple devices. It feels like most of the time that I ask Siri to do something, uh, it doesn't know how to do the thing I'm asking, and it makes me feel stupid for even bothering, right? Like, And, and with Alexa, I, I think maybe the vocabulary is a little smaller, so you don't feel like you can ask Alexa anything. But every time you ask it to do something, it pretty much gets it. So I don't know. To me, like I, I use Alexa constantly in the house. We have four of them. Uh, and then I almost never use uh, Siri on the Apple device. I just, and I don't know why that is, uh, you know, maybe I'm not the best person to judge sort of what it is about one versus the other that makes me use it. But, um, but we definitely use Alexa constantly and, and Siri almost not at all. So I don't know, I don't know what that says for Apple and, and they're, um, cause I know they're dedicating a ton of resources into making Siri really good. Um, maybe they should have a, a, a more narrow focus. Uh, they don't really have apps for Siri either. I mean, not that I use a ton of skills on Alexa, but um, Siri Siri has like a handful of actions that you can launch through Siri to, that'll launch something within an app, and it's pretty narrow. Um, and and Alexa seems like it, it's a little bit more open, even though I don't use a ton of different skills. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what's your experience? Do either one of you guys have Alexas in your house or Echoes um, in your house? I actually kind of, I guess, ironically have a low lower tech households <laughs> than the average uh seattleite or um or i was yeah i was as we're having this conversation i was just thinking to myself of uh, over the summer i stayed with a friend in san francisco and they had alexa and they had google home and all their lights were connected to devices right. um and i don't know what i was doing wrong but <laughs> they were laughing at me of um but I, uh, yeah, I think you know when you when you set these things up right, it's a it's a great tool, and it and it's funny too with these these products. Um, I remember kind of chatting about it with my cousin, you know, who lives in New York, and like most New Yorkers, they have small homes, right? right. Apartments there are notoriously small. My right. cousin's is probably bigger than the average person, you know. But she's like, why would I need something to turn on my lights for me or do these different things? when I can walk, you know, a few feet. Right, <laughs> So it's kind of um, interesting, right, with these um, products and this new wave of technology to see kind of where it resonates. But then I was just home visiting my parents and uh, was kind of surprised that, that they have an Echo that my yeah. mom got through her work and they, they like it. They mainly use it for weather, weather and music, which yeah. seems like those are often the things I hear. People use it for music, weather, news, and ordering an Uber. Ah, ordering an Uber. Oh, ordering Uber. That's a good one. I haven't heard, I haven't used it for that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it seems like if you have a narrow set of, of things that it does well, and you make sure people understand that this is what it does, that that's that's actually better in my mind. Like, uh, you know, you could sell a device that's like an Echo and say, oh yeah, it's it's your everything assistant. Just ask it anything, and it will answer. Uh, you know, and and that that would be amazing if it worked. But if it doesn't work, then it makes the product kind of terrible. Um, if you sold the same product in a box that said you know, this, this device will play any song that you ask it to play and it'll play any radio station and it can play a podcast if you ask it and it can set a timer and that's basically it. You, you know, you'd still say, well, that's, that's still pretty cool for, for $40. I think they have like Amazon dots that are, that are pretty expensive. So for that price, like if you set expectations low, people will be impressed and then slowly add functionality and, and increase people's vocabulary for it slowly. Um, I think that's a better experience. So what's your marketing advice on um, this one? Yeah. On this, like, so Rachel, say, Mike, yeah. uh, I mean, what, yeah, what would be, what would, is it, is it a, yeah, is it a good marketing vehicle? Like, do you, I, I think that's how a lot of people are using it right now is like, it's not so much for monetization, but maybe a good way to get uh, exposure. Do you, do you find it that way? Have you seen anybody use it for 
spreading the word about yeah, their that's product? That's an interesting question. Um, I think more and more brands are looking to get a presence, you know, on the uh, Alexa platform and on, I'm sure, like Google Home and these kind of new set of products because the, you know, the sales are just growing exponentially. I know um, with Alexa, this, the skills are, are growing exponentially. So if it's, and I, now I'm forgetting the statistics, but you know, a lot of households have these products and it seems like it's only growing. So I think the ultimate thing with marketing is, you know, meeting people where they are, like ideally being able to target in on, you know, who, who is your target audience and where do they hang out? Um, so it would kind of depend on your, your product or service. But if, you know, you could target those people through something, right? If they're, they already have It'd be this interesting to know what percentage of Alexa it, users ever install any kind of skill on their, their device. Team. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people that use it. Like my parents have an Alexa, but I, I guarantee they've never email. even looked at the app. I kind of wonder like if you were, if you were to put something out that was like, uh, it, it maybe included something in a person's news, um, like they have like the daily news, uh, feed that, that it'll read to you or, or an Alexa app, like what, what percentage of people that have Alexa actually go in and, and look for skills and use them? But it's funny. Have you ever seen that that um, the SNL uh, sketch that they did about Alexa, where where like the old people were were <laughs> were using the wrong name for Alexa constantly? Did you see that one? Do you remember that one? It was like, um, well, I'm trying to remember what the punchline was about it, other than the fact that it was like there were all these old people and they were all saying like Alyssa or like you know they'd get they'd get the name wrong constantly. <laughs> And, um, and then it, it, was a, it was a great sketch. I'll have to, I, like I said, I can't remember what the punchline was about it other than old people can't use Alexa. And then, um, you know, uh, oh, I think it was, um, it was like Alexa senior or Alexa silver or something like that. Like they had made one specifically for old people. But, um, anyway, m my parents aren't super old, but, but it was funny. I go home, uh, to visit and, um, and they have this Alexa on the counter that, that yeah. I got them and it's got a, a post-it note stuck to it with Alexa's name on it because that's the only way, that's the only way my dad can remember what he's supposed to say to the, to the machine to get it to, to react. I mean, it's, it's like that, 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 that sketch is spot on. <laughs> funny well does this device does i mean what sort of passive listening to people does it do or do we know i mean how clear is it because sometimes i have two of them and sometimes it seems like it must be listening to me because after i'll be talking about something it might suggest something along those lines like i'll be talking about how hungry i am then it will and then it will the next time i say alexa it'll say something like what would you like to order a pizza or something I mean, does it passively monitor people or do you know mike, so, mike rachel do you know is this an unknown question i know what it's supposed to be doing i i assume that it does what they advertise um but my understanding about it is that it's it's listening all the time for the sake of hearing its own name right so it, it's okay. got to be listening all the time or it won't know when you say when you say the the word right but if you say sure. if you say the name then it it takes that chunk of audio around what you said and it sends it up to them in order to, I don't think it does the, the speech recognition piece on the device. So I think it sends that up to, to Amazon with that chunk of audio. In fact, you know, it's the case because when you open up the Alexa app, you can, um, you can see the things you've asked in the past. And if you hit play, you can actually hear your voice. So it's, it's grabbing that chunk of, of voice around your request. It sends it up to Am Amazon. I believe it saves it because it's available in the app. And then it, it sends you back an answer. Um, it's 
from what I understand, it, it's not supposed to be recording or learning or, or doing anything with the with the information that you say. Um, but the, the tricky thing about it is that, you know, everyone knows these all devices are are somewhat exploitable. And, um, you know, particularly when you think about other countries trying to break into our technology, I mean, or, or the NSA, uh, you know, our own government trying to, to like be able to have access to what people are saying. And, and so it's, it wouldn't be, you know, at this point I've got four microphones and four places in my house and all of them could potentially be turned on remotely and start listening. And I would have no way of knowing. Um, uh, so, so, I mean, it's a little scary in that regard, but I don't think Amazon themselves is, um, is storing that information. The, the interesting question would be if the NSA showed up at Amazon and said, you know, we have a, we have a suspect, a terror suspect that we want to know what's going on with. And we think they have an Alexa. We need you to turn it on for us so we can hear, you know, would Amazon do it? Um, you know, I, and, and would you even know <laughs> that's the scary part about this stuff for me? Um, you know, is, is the surveillance piece, but um, I don't think that's Amazon's fault. I think that's the government, uh, you know, the government puts tech companies in kind of an awkward yeah. position well, sometimes. I mean, everyone loves this thing. And it's a great speaker. I mean, if you just want to buy a speaker to listen to music, it's great. I mean, just for that alone, it's, I mean, it's a nice, good quality speaker. And so, and then it has the added benefit of these other skills. So it seems like they really hit, they really hit something unique and novel in this space. Although I wonder, like, if you think about, like, wouldn't it be more helpful if instead of just an audio tool, you had a, uh, you had a, like a, like a, picture like a picture no they've got frame. they've got that now they've got a they've got they launched maybe six months ago um they have a uh amazon like alexa that has a screen on it and a camera okay. Interesting. Yeah. okay yeah it seems like the um, devices available are, are changing over time and leveraging the voice but adding more visual elements yeah yeah because i could see i mean bill gates used to have a really neat um idea of like hey we're going to display these fabulous works of art um you know on these picture frames then we can constantly kind of flutter through i mean those are really neat but i and i've seen them in in museums or other places but i haven't really seen them in people's homes so much it doesn't seem like that's been something that's really caught on although who doesn't want to you know just during the course of hanging out at your own house sort of see some really great art i mean i i would enjoy that i i mean it would be nice to it would be nice to experience that, but I, I don't know. Maybe we're just behind on the times, and they have this, and I just need to go buy it. And who knows? I don't know. Yeah, there used to be a um, – back in my old days working at the law firm, there was a client that we worked with that did that. Um, they, they licensed uh, artwork, and then they created a package of artwork that was they then licensed to people to show on televisions. So it's like, almost like a screensaver. And it was like – I think they sold it to – you know, TVs that would want to bundle it in with their TV. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened with that company, but um, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a market for that, you know, like a rotating artwork that shows up because everybody has these screens. Most of the time they're not displaying anything that you need to see, you know. If... Right. So let's get back to marketing. So what's your, what's your advice uh, for, the, for the startups in the, in the Seattle area? Yeah. We're trying to figure this out. Um, I mean, what do you, what do you tell people? They, Say you've got a company that's got a, it's got a, a product, it's got some uh, some use of the product in the market, so they feel like they're approaching product market fit, and then they're they're trying to just blow this thing out and get a lot of people to use it. Like, how do you how do you think about that sort of a, a problem? Yeah, well, with clients, I always like to ask them, you know, what are your top 
say two or three strategic goals that you're looking to achieve as a company you know is it around acquiring a certain number of customers or hitting a certain revenue target you know what are you working toward as your business and then kind of drilling into who are you trying to get in front of kind of where do they spend their time and how like what are the best channels to reach them and then what me- you know what message are you sharing right and you know I think the real, the big thing and a lot of what we do at Pitch right is helping um, the companies articulate you know who they are as a company and clearly articulate what their product is or their service um, and really um, having that and I think to a lot of um, especially in tech right a lot of companies they're very focused on the technology on the product on, on building the product on getting the product out there getting users etc and sometimes they kind of put marketing on the back burner um, especially more of the strategic elements of marketing maybe they're they're out there on social media they're doing some, some certain things but they haven't really taken the time to put that foundation in place around the positioning the messaging the brand the brand pillars uh, and then it just creates more challenges down the road. Right. So my advice is always to get that, you know, foundation in place in the early days. You can modify things later, because um, you're building everything on that, right? You're building all your messaging, your website, your social messaging platforms. You know, anything you're using, you want to, um, you want, right? You want to be consistent with how you show up as a right. company. Right. Um, so getting that that foundation in place and making that investment of you know, and earlier, um, you know, and I've seen it like even um, in some of my past experiences before I started Pitch stuff like, for example, I was working on a 15 year old product that had never done positioning and messaging for the product. And, and what that manifested in was that across the company internally, everyone talked about it differently. And then there was a lot of confusion in the market about what the product is and right. what the company was about because they hadn't, because it was a more engineering driven organization. Um, and they hadn't prioritized that. Right. Yeah. So, is that a an expensive process, or I, you know, uh, I know Joe, Joe and I, uh, many years ago. Joe, remember when we went to that that studio of the guys you introduced me to that do all the the brand marketing? Uh, they were up in in um, uh, Capitol Hill area, and they had big boards. Like, if, I, don't, I don't know if this is how you work, also Rachel, but they had like these big, um, like a like a easel board covered with different um, bits of information that kind of like represented what the company's values were and it was pretty amazing process and it seemed really valuable I think but but at some point like I won't say who they are but um, at some point like a few months later it occurred to me that I might need those kind of that kind of help and I reached out to them to ask you know what it might cost and I think the answer was like you just can't afford us like we're we're, you know I I said well what, what about like a small project where we sit down for like you know 10 hours and talk about you know, direction or whatever. And they're like, no, we kind of need you to sign up for like a, it's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, Cause they just, they, that company just happened to work with huge, large companies. Like what, what is, what does it look like when you work with a, with a client? Like how do you, how do you engage? Yeah. You know, I can be um, like, usually I engage in a deliverable based capacity. So um, kind of getting to know the company, their strategic goals, uh, what they're you know looking to accomplish, and then and what their budget is, right? And I think being a, a smaller shop like the story you just shared, I think for that's a lot of why I started pitched, right? Because I there was this gap in the market, right? There's these um, shops around town that are oriented toward like the Microsofts of the world, these bigger firms with you know large budgets, and 
Um, but for these earlier folks who, who need the help and, um, and more of kind of a discrete capacity to be able to kind of meet them where they are and be able to structure the project and pricing in a way um, that, that works for them. What do you do if you if you do if you if you are working with a company? I mean, a lot of companies do start with, um, and people like Mike, you know, if they they work on something they think is uh, a cool technical thing, and they're and that I mean they just I mean, a lot of companies are started by people who like to build cool things and they're they're fascinated by the process of building the, these things. But then they're and Mike, I don't maybe it's unfair, but I mean I think you fit in this box of like you I mean you you get kind of intrigued by a, a thing to build. And probably, I don't know, like you probably don't think, I mean, do you think at the outset when you're building something, when do you first start thinking about marketing in, in that process? Mike? Oh, for me? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I was thinking more like, <laughs> I was interested to hear like what Rachel say, like when people should think about it. So uh, well, yeah, me, I, th I think about uh, product uh, early. So like, what does the product look like? Who is the market? How big is the market? Um, you know, why do these people need this this product um, before I get started building so that I can make sure I build the product to meet the need that I think exists? Um, but then in terms of like actual marketing, uh, you know, very little, very little conscious marketing happens other than, you know, dis decisions around design or graphic arts. Like, you know, I, I have to kind of pick a color scheme and an icon and, and figure out what I want this this app to look like. Um, but but very little effort goes into sort of like figuring out like a, a coherent message other than trying to message people about what the app does. Um, and that's, you know, part of that's just because of, you know, limited resources. You know, usually when I'm working on an app, it's me or maybe me and a couple other people. And, uh, you know, the effort's just going toward building and and publishing and and um but only recently in, in the old days you didn't really need to worry as much about marketing but now it's it's like uh it's absolutely necessary some something there's a there's a piece of my skill set that's missing um when i launch an app that that needs to be beefed up and that's like this sort of marketing go-to-market stuff um you know how to get your your uh product in front of people and and make them aware of it it's a tough, yeah. tough problem. So this is what you help people disentangle or solve this thing. This yeah, thing right and I, I think like what Mike shared, that makes sense. Um, you know, like usually when I'm engaging with a client, they already have a product in the market that has you know some traction. Like maybe right. it's early, they're in beta, but people are using it. They're getting feedback. You know, it it exists. Yeah. Um, but I and it also, I guess there's kind of two schools of, two ways of thinking about it. Like I think probably more of a best practice is to. Right, because people start companies around their ideas, right? So you have an idea. So I think it doesn't make sense to engage with any marketing until it's it's out there. It, it has manifested as a product, and it's out there for people to use. Right. Maybe it's a closed beta, but at least it's it exists. Right. Um, you know, but sometimes I meet um, you know, clients, and, and I do um, you know, work with services companies as well, and with, with some of those um, types of companies, they want the marketing help before they're really uh, you know, out there with their business. But that's a bit of a different path because it's more of like their kind of people power as an individual versus having uh, building out a, a product. Is marketing like something that you think about m more when, to me it seems like the, the marketing decision or the, or, the, or the need to bring in marketing help really coincides a lot with if you start spending money on advertising. Like once you start to have a, a spend where you're like, 
I've got this product. We're going to spend this much, uh, this many dollars on, uh, you know, advertising on Facebook or Google or, or, um, social media influencers. And it's like, sort of like, once you have that budget, you, you want to bring somebody in to make sure that the ads you're creating or the, or the messaging that you're creating is, is, you know, on brand and and you're maximizing the value of that spend. So maybe it's just helping, helping direct advertising so that the advertising is all consistent. Um, is that, is that accurate? Like, do you, do you tend to work a lot with companies on, on crafting advertising or is it something else? Yeah. Um, I would say like usually when, when I'm plugging in, it's a little bit before that okay. it's around more of kind of that just like foundation as articulating the company, the product, putting more of like the strategy in place, the website, um, it's more of the mm-hmm. foundational, um, what are- and then, but some of the, you know, but I think it does make sense too to have some you know marketing expertise as you think about ads and i um you know like for example one and kind of back to this idea of you have to know who your target customer is and where they hang out so i think excuse me um you know people might say oh i'm gonna do google ads i'm gonna do facebook ads you know like kind of a little bit shiny object around ads like oh i'm gonna do all these ads uh, but it's really this question of who are you trying to get in front of and where are they? Right. And is like, does a Google ad make sense for who you want to reach or a Facebook ad or, or even to have the, so what's where you, what social channels you, your company should have a presence on, you know, if you're, um, B2B and you are working with this like sophisticated enterprise client, like often it doesn't make sense to be on Facebook cause that's more of a personal network. Right. You should focus more on LinkedIn and, and like LinkedIn ads are probably a better spend than a Google ad um, because your target audience is on LinkedIn, right? So it's kind of digging in a bit further um, of who you're trying to get in front of, where they are, and then setting, you know, setting a budget, setting some goals of what outcomes you're seeking, and then checking in with it, whether that's weekly or monthly or whatever that looks like, and, and measuring, you know, what's what's working. and um, And I think, too, it's a question of like ads are one um, opportunity, but there's other opportunities depending on what you do. Like, can you get strategic partners? Can you work through your network, work through referrals? Are there other things you can do that, um, I guess, have a cost in terms of time, but don't like you're not kind of having that fixed spend like you do uh, with ads. Right. Great. Well, that's this is all really interesting stuff. I uh, appreciate you coming and sharing it with us. Is there uh, a way people can find out more about your company and, and the services you offer? Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah. And the company, yes, it's called Pitch, P-I-T-C-H-T. And the website is www.pitched.us. Ah, dot U-S. P-I-T-C-H-T dot U-S. Yeah. Got it. Okay, good. Well, thanks. Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate it very much. And uh, for people who want to get a hold of Rachel, um, just go to the Pitched, uh, P-I-T-C-H-T dot U-S website, and you can find her information there and uh yeah super appreciate you having on the show to talk about this this hard to- i think hard topic for a lot of people <laughs> so it's it's uh for technical people i think it's somewhat can be somewhat mysterious yeah thank you for having me yeah rachel azaroff thanks for being here everyone else thanks for listening we'll see you all next week